Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Well, if you're new today, I'm Kevin, the lead pastor here, and it's an honor to have you worship with us here at Thrive Church. Um, and, and as I say, every week we have one church, two locations, so today I'll get to go speak at the Richmond campus. So again, pray for your brothers and sisters across the river. Um, they pray for you as well, and uh, so I'm excited what God is doing at both campuses. This summer's been good, man. Like, uh, churches about summer, summer slumps, it's been awesome, and uh, I've enjoyed it. But this fall is actually something that's going to be really great. It's fall kickoff Sunday. It'll be our, our, our third annual fall kickoff. And that Sunday, what we're going to do is you're going to get to wear your favorite shirt or jersey or apparel of your team. If you don't have it, go buy it. Um, we're going to have free giveaways that day. So we'll get gift cards. We're actually going to give, give also give away a grill uh, that day. It's going to be a fun day to be at church. Another thing we're going to do as well is actually have, you can take pictures with your family of all your jerseys. Don't, don't come dress in your Sunday apparel. Don't come dress and all the ties and suits and hats. I mean, you need to come dress in your favorite team, and uh, it'd be a great memory for you. Um, but what I have today, and I and I was told not to hurt anybody, is actually little little styrofoam footballs. Okay, I'm in honor of fall kickoff. I'm gonna try to kick these. Okay, are you guys ready? Look at that. Oh, and he muffed the punt. He must be a Packers fan. I know Tim. I know Tim. Ready? Look at that punt. Perfect spiral. And another, another muff. This is pretty good at this. Look at that. Oh. Hey, he's good at fielding punts. If I can get way over here now, this is a corner kick. This is a coffin kick. Ah. Oh, not good. Not good. Hey, that's... She's, Blake, she's quick, man. She's quick. All right. I'm going for the back back here. Anybody in the back? Can you catch? Oh. There you go. Good catch. All right. Last one. Far corner. Oh, yes. And completed every pass. How do you like that? So uh, get ready. Invite some friends out for fall kickoff. It's a fun day. You know, um, we do it strategically a couple a couple weeks after kids get back in school because people are thinking, you know, that they've been at the beach all summer. And they're like, man, they get back in church. Um, some haven't been in church in a while. It's a good chance to say, hey, man, you got to come to fall kickoff Sunday. It's going to be a blast. That's why we're doing VBS that day, too. And that weekend is for and to invite your friends, invite families in your community out to that day. We actually have the VBS. BBS cards over there. So if you know people, man, carry it to work. Invite your friends to this event. It's going to be really cool. Today, I'm actually up here not to kick footballs off, but to share God's word with you. So I think we're going to get into that. Is that okay? Um, go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. And we're finishing up a Purple People Leader series. We've been uh, talking about 1 Timothy now for seven weeks. We've went verse by verse. We've not skipped one verse in there. We've dealt with some of the toughest scriptures. And today we're going to look at 21 verses. So some of you that hadn't read your Bible all week, it's a great chance to get caught up. You'll have all your verses for the week and then some, right? Uh, Charles Spurgeon actually shared a parable that relates to our passage today when he was preaching back in the day. He said there was a tyrant who called one of his uh, subjects in, and the subject was a blacksmith. And he asked the blacksmith to make a big, strong chain. So the blacksmith worked for days and forged a really strong chain. And then when he brought the chain to, to the tyrant, the tyrant said, I want you to make the chain twice as long and even more. 
tough, strong. So he, 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 he's hidden. He builds several more days. He does it. And then again, he comes to the tower. He says, I want you to make the chain the strongest you've ever made it. And the blacksmith worked and he worked and he worked. And he brings it to the tyrant. The tyrant calls in some of his servants and says, I want you to bind this man hand and foot with the very chain that he made. See, that's how addictions and cravings are for us. Uh, Spurgeon said it this way. He said, that is what the devil does to men. He makes them forge their own chain and then binds them hand and foot with it and cast them into addiction. See, I'm thankful today, though, that we serve a God who breaks addictions, who helps us with the cravings that we have in our life. And today, every one of us have some type of cravings that you know that either have either gotten you in trouble or going to get you in trouble or right now getting you in trouble. And that's kind of what Paul speaks to Timothy about. He, he talks to him about how to do with cravings. And for some reason, he ends the chapter warning the rich, warning about people who are causing drama, uh, warning about different addictions and things like that. And he speaks to Timothy about that. See, one of the truths of life is this. The more you get of the thing you want, it doesn't satisfy you. Right? I mean, think about a cocaine addict. I just want one more, one more hit, man. And I'll be good. Is that ever true? Right? For the alcoholic, just, just one more shot and I'll be fine. I just need one more. Just a little bit. And a lot of times that's what happens with cravings in our life. We, we want just a little bit and it continues more and more and more. Don't you look at what Paul says to Timothy today. And, and remember, Timothy was pastoring the church at Ephesus. This is the largest church in Asia Minor. This young leader goes in to pastor this church. And Paul sent him there for one purpose. Straighten junk out in that church. So that's a messed up church. It's our biggest church, Timothy, but it's messed up. And you remember in the first chapter, Paul had to throw out Hymenaeus and Alexander. Yeah, that's Paul, y'all. He threw some people out of the church. Now, y'all, y'all would have been put, posted on Facebook, that's a bad church. But that's Paul, y'all. That's what he did. And he, he, he was straightened the church out. So Timothy was in there to help the largest church. Most commentators believe that the church at Ephesus in the first century planted the other six churches in the book of Revelation. They were like to the mother church to help support and help start the other churches in Asia Minor. And so Timothy comes in to straighten it out. Now Ephesus was a lot like a New York or Los Angeles. Huge melting pot and the, the thing about it was very pagan. Artemis or Diana, the Greek goddess, was the goddess of the city. Every trade, every guild was built around the goddess Diana. And so it was not a Christian friendly place. If you look back in the book of Acts, Paul goes in with a team. There are no Christians there. And then they launched the most powerful church in Asia Minor. I think that's pretty impressive. But now Timothy comes in and this is Paul's last remarks to Timothy. So let's go ahead and read and we're going to look at the first um, couple of verses Paul deals with, um, with, with, with slavery and things of that nature. Before I read that, I want you to realize though that Paul condemns slavery as the act earlier. Remember he, comp- he compares it. There's several things will not, you will not inherit the kingdom of God for and those who impose slavery is one of them. So Paul is not saying slavery is good. What Paul is doing here is helping those who are at the church at Ephesus who are slaves to understand how do you win those people who are around you and those who are above you to Christ. So do not miss that point as we read this and think that he's um, okaying that. He even asked in the book of Philemon for Onesiphorus to, 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 to be released. And so um, I want you just to kind of preface it with that first. Let's look at verse 1. He says, all slaves should show full respect to their masters so they'll bring no shame on the name of God in his teaching. 
The masters of believers, that is no excuse for being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers who are well loved. Then Paul goes on now to talk about the what he's going to go into with his, his long, long talk. Teach these things, Timothy. Encourage everyone to obey them. And that's the whole letter here he's now winding down. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life, and anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person, a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments, ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. Verse 5. These people always cause trouble. You don't know folks like that, do you? Like, there, there are no people in your, in your life like that, right? Those people were in the church at Ephesus, and that's what he was laying out. There are people in the church that are always stirring up trouble, always causing trouble, and Timothy, you've got to watch out for those people, and we'll talk about that a little later. But he says their minds are corrupt, and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Turn on the TV, friends. There's a lot of guys in there like that. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Now, true godliness with contentment is great wealth itself. Now, I want you to realize the Apostle Paul, that was one of his primary teachings, was godliness and contentment. That was his two teachings. The book of Philippians, remember the verse that we always misquote? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Remember that? Remember we talk about that all the time here at Thrive? It doesn't mean you can do anything you want to do through Jesus. You realize that, right? I can prove it. I will set a 35-foot basketball goal up in here, and then you can quote that scripture, and when you dunk it, I will give you $5 million without any help. <laughs> you can't do it. But you can be content with not being able to dunk a 35-foot basketball goal and still love Jesus. Paul was saying whether you have a lot or you have a little, you can be content. That's what that, that verse means. And so Paul is reiterating that to the church at Ephesus, which he said to the church at Philippi in an earlier letter. He says, after all, we brought nothing with with us when we came into the world and we can take nothing with us when we leave it. It was, as Job said, naked I came in and naked I leave. Isn't that the southern version? Naked? You know what naked means? Oh, no, it's not naked. Naked means you ain't got nothing. Nothing. I mean, you're, 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 you're so broke you can't pay attention. So... So Paul says in verse 8, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. In verse 9 is another craving he goes into. And we'll look at this one too. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation or are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not, money's not evil, it's the love of the money. Either you will own possessions or possessions will own you. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Verse 12 says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God, who gives life to all, and before Jesus Christ, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you will obey this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault uh, with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Look at verse 15. 
For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. I mean, do you realize Jesus is coming again, right? That's a, that's a key doctrine to what we believe, that we believe in the second coming, visible return of the Lord Jesus. And he will come again, friends. Uh, just, just realize that. And Paul's laying that down for Timothy there. He goes on to say this in verse 16, for he alone can never die. He lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. And no human eye has ever seen him or ever will. All honor and power to him forever. Amen. Uh, Paul just took a praise break what he did. See, that's what Paul does sometimes. Paul will be writing, then he just gets off like how much he loves Jesus, how awesome Jesus is. And then he goes back, right? Um, he does that in Romans a lot. He just gets so excited about Jesus. Now let's go back to what he's saying to Timothy. So he says, amen. Verse 17 says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money, which is so unreliable when everybody said, amen. Yes, yeah, look at the economy. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. That's beautiful. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. In verse 20, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you by their so-called knowledge. And ends here in verse 21. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. May God's grace be with you all. He was like, man, bless y'all's hearts for what you're doing. That's what he was saying right there. Uh, the, the big idea is you read that and Paul's warning this young pastor. He's trying to help him understand how to navigate tough waters. Is this right here? The big idea is this. Leaders are cautious about their cravings. Leaders are cautious about their cravings. Leaders are cautious about their cravings. See, if you ever look at a life that's been destroyed and maybe you went through destruction maybe you have somebody in your life you love that went down the path of destruction you can always trace it back to a craving something that that that, that was in there that they were not cautious about they they threw caution to the wind they went after that craving and that craving carried them down a path they they never wanted to go I mean look at Samson right called by God Nazarite vow and then the poor boy lost all his mind didn't he See, see, lust makes you lose all logic. And that's what he did. It made him lose everything. He was not cautious about the cravings that he was called to manage as a Nazarite there um, with the vow that he took. See, when it, when it comes to cravings, you, you've really got to think of it this way. And here's some things you got to think about. Does this craving need to be killed? And how do you know if it does? Does this craving need to be killed? And here's what you to think about. What do the scriptures say about my craving? What do the scriptures say about this craving? Um, friends, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to look to his word and what it says about it. You have to. Uh, you can't live by I feel, I think, and I believe. Well, I mean, my thoughts are because it really doesn't matter long run. As I told you, what the Bible says really matters. So what do the scriptures say? The second question you've got to ask is what direction is this craving carrying my life? What general direction? If I play it forward and I continue on this path, what's going to happen with the craving that I have? And then think about this. How is this craving affecting your most dear relationships in your life? See, cravings given by God from the Spirit enhance your life. Make your life better. 
makes life more enjoyable. For God gives all things richly for our enjoyment, you know, he just said to Timothy. But cravings that are not from God are those that, that, that sometimes take um, uh, life from you. It makes life seem bleak and a little gray. And you've got to be cautious about the cravings. You know, I've said, I don't know what yours are. And, and I'm not here to judge you and, and call those into question. But only you can answer those questions. So here's what I'll do quickly today. From what Paul wrote to Timothy, I want to look at three cravings we should really be cautious about. And I could write a whole list of them, right? Like we could talk the rest of the year about cravings, couldn't we? Well, today I'm not going to leak into the text. I want, uh, you know, to look at this text here. And let's see what Paul said to Timothy in the first century about the cravings that he wanted him to be careful about. And here's the first one you can write in your notes. You're going to love this one. And I, I, I talked a little bit about this last week. The craving to gravitate toward drama queens. The craving to gravitate toward drama queens. Paul talked about it. Verses 3 through 5. He said those who quibble, those who argue, those who have foolish and and, and godless discussions and those who are always stirring stuff up. He says, you know, you've got to watch out for those people. Like I said, Paul threw Hymenaeus and Alexander out. I ain't never had this amount of church. Right? I've been... People wanted to throw me out of a church before, but I've never been, I've never been thrown out of a church. That's pretty tough stuff there. But here's what he tells. He says, be careful with the people in your life that are drama queens and drama kings. Sometimes there's a craving to kind of, uh, go toward that, right? Sometimes you just want to engage. You want, and sometimes it's pure. You want to help those people. You're going to set them straight. You're going to talk to them about the truth. And does it ever work out? As Dr. Phil so eloquently says, well, how's that working for you? <laughs> and it usually doesn't work uh, very well when you're dealing with that. See, I love what Proverbs 26.20 says. Fire goes, out, go, fire goes out without wood. Everybody agree? How do you kill a campfire at night? Now, you, you can pour water on it, but just imagine you have it. Just take, take, take the wood away from it. The fire will die, won't it? Every fire needs good wood. Watch this. But he says, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. And so a lot of times in your life, you've got to find out what is the source of the drama in my life? What is the source of those things? And you've got to fight the urge to gravitate toward those drama kings and drama queens in your life. As I said last week, sometimes you don't answer the fool, sometimes you answer the fool, sometimes you pity the fool. You've got to know what you've got to do when it comes to that. But, but be careful of that craving because some of you, your emotions are worked up, man. You just, oh, just so worked up and you have imaginary conversations because you're being drawn into things. And Paul told Timothy, you got some knuckleheads in your church, bro, because he started the church at Ephesus, right? He probably knew some of these people. He said, you got some, you got some knuckleheads in that church. Do not play into that. Matter of fact, don't even get into the conversations that they're going to share. It's just like the old drug commercial. Remember that? What's the, what was the old drug commercial? He used to say what? Just say no. So you can post that all over your social media feed. When it comes to drama queens, just say no. Here's the, uh, the second point. What craving should we be cautious about according to what Paul told Timothy? The second is this. The craving of worldly wealth. The craving of worldly wealth. And that verses 6 through 10 and 17 through 19. Do not grab your wallets right now and do not hide your BMW or Mercedes keys. I'm not telling you that you can't have nice stuff. So if you're like, oh God, okay, we're driving a clunker next week because I don't want you to have anything. I'm not, I'm not saying that, right? Um, but Paul warns about the dangers of being drawn into the craving of being rich because how much is is enough because you'll continue to want more and more and more 
Then the unhealthy craving of worldly wealth, Paul says, can destroy you. As I said earlier, do you own your possessions or do your possessions own you? That's the question that you have to ask when looking at worldly wealth. Also this question, are you pursuing God's dream or the American dream? Are you pursuing God's dream or the American dream? See, God has a plan for your life. And I know you know that. Sounds generic. Sounds generalized. But it's true. And he has desires for your life. He sees things he wants for you. And so many times we want to go out and have the life that we want to build instead of the life that God wants to build for us. Are you pursuing God's dream or the American dream? Uh, Jesus once said this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your most, what is your most prized possession? What is the most prized possession that you have? Could you do without that? Could you have that taken from you? I want to tell you something, guys. My most prized possession is this, is Jesus. It's Jesus. You may think I'm crazy, it's Jesus. I love Jesus. You can stick me in a hut somewhere. You can put me on a mat, wherever you want to do. As long as I got Jesus, I'm A-OK. And as far as I know from the scriptures, he's not leaving or forsaking me. That's my most prized possession. It's not a boat. It's not a car. It's not a big curved flat screen, 80-inch TV to watch the games on, which is, you know, Bose surround sound. But I'll watch it, on, I'll watch it on, on an old computer. I just don't care. Jesus matters most to me. That's what matters. You've got to ask yourself, that's not that do you have possessions. Some of y'all are getting really scared. It's do the possessions have you. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, this is how you have to look at God's kingdom as, and prioritized. Uh, here's a question. And most of us do have this. Do you have car payments and toys, but you can't give generously to the work of God? It's priority. That's what Jesus talked about. And I'm not trying to, we're not taking an offering up at the end of the church. You can leave today, never come back, and, and, and we'll never have you money. That's fine. I'm trying to help you. Is it where, where you have a lot of things in life, but God's priority gets sidetracked? Do you have credit card debt that is killing you, but when you heard Frankie talk about what he's doing in Guyana uh, Wednesday, you were like, man, I'd love to give, but dude, Chase will chase me down. <laughs> All right? Capital One will find me. And, and so um, you've got to think about those things in life as you're making decisions uh, with, with whatever you're doing. Can we continue, continuously give generously to the kingdom of God? And here's, here's why it's important. Greed. Paul warns about greed in this passage. Do you know the only way you can conquer greed? There's only one way to conquer greed. To be generous. There's no other way to conquer greed. That's why when you have, you have children, you teach them from an early age to be generous. To be generous. To, to, to give without respect of return. Because when they do that, they're taught to be generous. And that's the only way you kill greed in your life is being generous. And so Paul warns of those who worldly wealth is pushing them and driving them. Here's the third and final craving. You guys still love me here? Anytime you mention stuff like that, people, you know... People start getting those, the, the, those eyes at you, man. You're scared. The usher starts standing up looking for knives and guns to come out. So I have to be careful, you know. Uh, three is this. The craving to put pleasures before your purpose. The craving to put pleasures before your purpose. In verses 11 through 16, Paul warns Timothy of this. He says, flee youthful lust. Flee those things and pursue righteousness. And so he's actually telling Timothy there, to make sure you're putting God's priorities and God's purposes for your life over pleasures that you 
have. See, simply put is this. You have the option to pursue pleasures or pursue purpose. And you've got to ask yourself when it comes to that, will I pursue pleasures or pursue purpose? See, as I said before, God sees divine potential in you. And your greatest enemy is saying this. I want the lustful pleasures of life over fulfilling my purpose. My fear for many of us is this. We get to the end of our life. And we look back at our life we have a life of regrets. A life of poor decisions. A life where we squandered opportunities God gave us. And it always comes, if you're not asking the right questions with every decision, you'll make the wrong choices every time. So you've got to learn to ask the right questions. Am I pursuing purpose or am I just just pursuing pleasure? I mean, think about Samson, right? Again, think about Samson. He made the mistake of pursuing pleasures over purpose. He wanted the honey, right? And you could buy honey at a store. I don't know why in the world he was digging in line for That's gross. Um, yeah. If I was God, I'd cut him off too for digging in a line. No, I'm joking. But he wanted it so bad. He saw Delilah and he wanted Delilah so bad. He chose a life of personal pleasure over the purposes that God set him apart for birth. And at the end of his life, he had to make a decision. The first time Samson ever made a decision of sacrifice was the last decision he ever made. And that's when he pulled the pillars down. His eyes were gouged out and he pulled the pillars down and it crushed all the Philistines, 3,000 of them. That was only a piece of what God wanted to do in his life. But he had to make the decision sitting there. Will I preserve myself and be their entertainment? Or will I make the decision to sacrifice and pursue God's purpose over my personal preservation? Let me close with this today. tells you this guys do what makes you happy do what makes you happy it's all about number one right believe in yourself trust yourself you 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 we get bombarded with that don't we from commercials and from everything but let me encourage you number one you'll never be happy unless you're set apart to God for his purposes unless you surrender to the Lord Jesus You'll never be truly happy. And number two, the only way to be truly happy is when you seek for God's purposes to make Him happy. That's the only way. And many times we're pursuing things that are going to destroy us. And Paul closes this letter to Timothy. He could have said so many things to him, right? I mean, think about all the things he could have said to Timothy about the church. And he warns him about cravings. Timothy, be careful about those people. They will suck you in and suck you dry, right? Timothy, be careful and warn those not to, not to follow the cravings of wealth. And then he finally tells Timothy at the very end of this, this, this book here. He says, make sure you're pursuing God's purposes over your own pleasure. Flee youthful lust, but pursue righteousness. What cravings a day have you walked in here with? Maybe you've made some bad decisions because of cravings, right? Let's be honest, we all have. There's nobody in here exempt from that. It's your job to ask the Holy Spirit of God to help you with your cravings. You can't do it on your own, man. You ain't strong enough. You're not good enough. (laughs) You have to ask the Lord to help you with those. The Lord to strengthen you. And you've got to ask the right questions when those cravings hit you. And play it forward. If you will stand to your feet this morning. As you stand to your feet, I just want you to, to bow your head and close your eyes in here. Just so you're 
able to focus just for a second. If this morning you walked in here and, and the warning that Paul had to Timothy, you're saying, man, that hit me strong today. I, you know, Kevin, you said some things that I need prayer for because I know I can't overcome things on my own. I know I need God's grace and I know I need the Holy Spirit to do it. I know the Lord's with me through all this and He's going to strengthen me through all this. But I just, today you said some things, Kevin, that I know I need prayer for. And I need you to pray for me today. Before we sing, I'm going to pray for you. But if you want prayer, just lift your hand to heaven and say, pray for me, man. I'm dealing with some cravings, I know. And I play it forward. I'm asking the right questions. Just pray for me. Amen. Right where you're standing, I'm going to pray for you right now, guys. God, this morning, we thank you again for your holy scriptures. We thank you for this letter that was written to Timothy. 2,000 years ago in the church at Ephesus, Lord, in the city of Ephesus. We thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write this letter. Now, God, today, as we look at this, we just gain encouragement, but we also gain warning, Lord, for us to be cautious about the cravings that are trying to take our life in a direction that you don't want it. So I pray right now, Lord, for all of those who raised their hands, everybody in here, Father, all of us are dealing with something different today. All of us have things that are very small. Some have things that are very big. Uh, But Lord, I pray that today they would start asking the right questions. That Holy Spirit, that you would speak to their conscience. You would speak to their mind. You would speak to their heart as they begin to make decisions about their life. I pray that, that, Lord, you would help them to keep your kingdom in perspective. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Father. I pray that we would keep the kingdom of God in perspective with everything that we do. Lord, I pray more than anything else that we would pursue your purposes over the pleasures of this world. We would pursue your purposes, that we would pray and we would think through, we would get counsel and decisions through everything that we do, Father. I pray a greater grace upon everybody in here today, God. A greater grace, Lord, for them to walk through the tough seasons of life. For those, Lord, right now that are recovering from some bad decisions, I pray that they would know that you You are the restorer of all good things. For those, Lord God, who have made those decisions, Lord, they they know that you will be with them and you will walk with them and you will help them through everything that they're going to go through, Father. I pray, God, that you would encourage the socks off people all in this place today, Father. They would leave pumped up by the Holy Spirit, ready to attack any situation that comes their way. God, thank you that you never leave or forsake us. That you're a good, good father. Church, I want you, as the worship team plays, to take time to sing right now. And as they sing about a good, good father, I want you to ask the Lord to empower you, to strengthen you, to help you. Take a sacred moment with God. Don't rush out of this place. I want you to take a moment with the Lord. And whatever you're dealing with, whatever family member's dealing with, call upon the Lord. Give your burdens to Him, and He will answer you. Let's worship God in this place.